The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And today we're going to tell you how to survive the swine flu pandemic by not panicking. That is the key. There was a study done uh, today, I believe, by the New York Daily News, and of course some of the cases of swine flu have been reported in New York, and the question was, how concerned are you that eight Queens teens came down with mild cases of the deadly Mexican swine flu? And we have 21% who said, very concerned, I feel uncomfortable just leaving the house. 54% who said, I'm nervous, but I'm not going to let this completely change my life. And 25% said, no reason to panic. The city and federal government are handling it. We are in safe hands. Well, you know, those are very interesting results. I'm glad to see that there is no um, outright panic yet, and perhaps, and hopefully there won't be. Um, But I think that that last uh, selection is um, a little bit too is a little bit dangerous in its own right because whether it's um, thinking about earthquakes or floods or terrorism, um, we really do need to not rely on the government. Um, We do need to take some precautions ourselves, become prepared ourselves psychologically and physically. And uh, there's also been a study, not a scientific study, but um, a study of, anecdotal study of drugstores and what people are buying. And uh, there really seems to be different results as to whether or not people, some say that people are buying more masks and more medication um, to fight the flu and more hand uh, purifiers and so on, and others don't report an increase in that. But, you know, what's what's interesting is that um, some people are saying that uh, they're feeling anxious, but they're not panicked. They have other things to worry about, like the economy and job loss and so on. And the question is, when, when is stress overload? When are we going to read stress overload? And that's, that's what this show is going to help you to think about and feel more knowledgeable about, because one of the ways that we can feel calmer about anything that's frightening is to know more about it. And my guests will certainly be helping us uh, to learn just that. But I just want to say before I introduce my guests that, um, you know, a lot of people when they were asked, again, anecdotally, say that they're not so worried because the media makes us too frightened and really there's nothing to worry about. Now, you know, hopefully, again, that's true because there really aren't. I mean, I think the latest uh, figure that I've seen is that there are 64 confirmed cases in the United States. But... But the thing is, again, that's it's sort of a little bit too dangerous to go the other extreme. Yes, the media does make us frightened of things because they want ratings, and if they say, you know, swine, <laughs> swine flu kills another, um, it's news at 10, yes, we're going to tune in, um, you know, or swine flu coming to your neighborhood. Yes, we're going to tune in and look to see how close it is to our neighborhood, but and so, you know, that is a way of getting people to getting ratings, which means that they're able to charge more for uh, from their advertisers, their sponsors, and so on. But we really can go too much the other way, um, which is going towards denial. And for those of you who have been listening to this show for quite a while, you know that I talk about that a lot in regard to terrorism, that we've stuck our heads in the sand in regard to that and think that it can't happen or can't happen again. And um, 
and don't want to think about it or, you know, don't think we have to think about it. So, you know, we're now going to talk about swine flu, but I just want you to keep that in mind that you can't, it's sort of a collusion with the media or collusion with that idea that the media is just frightening us too much because that's an easy way to not have to deal with these things and to be able to say, uh, to remain in denial that that whatever it is, you know, whatever the latest danger of the week is, can in fact affect us. With that, I will introduce my guest, um, Joan, Dr. Joan Nichols. She is a researcher and associate director of the Galveston National Laboratory, and she is going to discuss the science behind the uh, our response to swine flu, how we're getting sick once we get infected, what it's doing to an infected person biologically, you know, how does it go from the air to making us sick. Um, she has been working, researching many different kinds of viruses, um, including swine flu, but also human viruses, avian viruses, HIV, SARS, and others. And um, she's one of the few researchers, global researchers, who is determining the genetic makeup of the swine flu. And, of course, the sooner and better that this happens, the, the better we'll be able to get a vaccine and treatment for the swine flu. My other guest is Dr. Lissa Rankin. She is on the front lines um, of the war against a uh, different front line, a clinical front line in the war against swine flu and, and other illnesses. She's an OBGYN, and her patients are asking her all about this. Uh, she's going to talk about what she tells them, how to avoid swine flu and not freak out. Also, she talks about the zen of swine flu, which is something that we all <laughs> need to uh, think about, another angle that we need to think about uh, rather than the panic mode. So welcome, both of you. Hello. Why don't we start with um, what are, Lisa? what are your patients, you see mostly gynecological patients, and what, what are they coming in since this whole outbreak began and asking you about? Well, especially since... So much of this has been going on in California and San Diego and most recently Sacramento, which is not far from where I am in the Bay Area. Um, it is, you know, we've noticed that there is a concern, although I wouldn't say that anybody appears to be panicking here. I have to say I, I work out of Clear Center of Health, which is an integrative medicine center, and so it tends to be a patient population that's pretty well educated and, uh, and does a pretty good job of taking care of themselves and really prioritizing their health to begin with. Um, but what I'm seeing is just a concern for what people can do with what's within their control to reduce their risk. And so those are the majority of the questions that we've been getting is how can I protect myself, my family, and how can I logically and uh, naturally approach this without creating mass hysteria? <laughs> yes, it's interesting. Uh, but it's true that a patient population who goes to sort of a natural um, health center, integrative medicine health center, would be more um, <laughs> laid back because they are focusing on sort of natural ways of improving their health all year round. It's true. I'm noticing a big difference in many ways from the, um, the patients that have been coming to Clear Center and the patients of mine that have been emailing me compared to some of my friends and some of my readers on my website who are from a different population. Um, and there's for example, I was on Twitter all day yesterday trying to calm the panic because the general population and what was being passed around on Twitter was very paranoid. And uh, you could see you could see it generating even from morning until the afternoon. And then by the time evening came around, it seemed like it had started to settle down a little bit. But, what were some uh, of the things that people were most panicking about? Oh, I mean, it, it, it just made me laugh. I wish I had written down some of them. But it just appears that people were passing on misinformation and that a lot of people really didn't understand the science behind it. Um, for, for example, I had one of, the, one of the tweets that I saw was talking about how, um, how it's like Ebola virus and we're all going to start hemorrhaging out of our eyeballs. <laughs> so I think a lot of people have a misunderstanding about what influenza is. And the minute you start wor using words like global pandemic, people really freak. 
And I think once you're able to step back and, and understand the science behind it to educate yourself about what it really is, I don't think we have such a need to worry. There certainly are things that we can do. Uh, that, you know, certainly following the CDC guidelines and following what the World Health Organization is saying is a good way to get information that's accurate. But a lot of the, what the news media is putting out there is a lot of hyperbole. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, Joan, um, I know we're going to be probably close to a break soon, but why don't you, one thing that has interested me is um, since we weren't um, aware or anticipating this swine flu, I mean, maybe you were in your laboratory, but the general population wasn't, how is it that in Mexico these first cases were identified? How did they know that this is what it was? I mean, what made them look for this? Well, at first what was hard to tell is that um, this new strain emerged about the same time when we, they were experiencing seasonal flu, the end of the of our regular circulating influenza that we see in our population. And so it, it sort of hit it because flu-like symptoms are flu-like symptoms no matter what the cause. Um, they be, uh, in Mexico, they began to be interested in it when they noticed that the, these symptoms were more severe and they had a couple of deaths. And then it became obvious they had something that was novel and began looking for it. But it is really common for new influenza strains to emerge periodically and circulate in our population. That's what's special about influenza and why it has the potential to be a significant health problem. Well, so so actually, it probably had started way before they started counting cases. Right. Because it, it took time exactly. for the researchers to figure out what strain it was. It started back, um, probably what happened is it emerged potentially in pig populations, um, agricultural, um, you know, population of, of pigs kept on, on farms that the virus was generated there, and then it was transmitted across to people, and then it probably took a little while to pass person to person for the virus to adapt to transmit between people um, until it got to the point where a significant number were affected. Hmm. So really, this might have been going on, what, for like months? Um, probably, probably a couple of months. It's hard to tell. It, it's really hard to pinpoint. But the fact that the incubation period for influenza is is not an extensive one. It's it's a few days. Right. Suggests that uh, um, in, in general, it, it couldn't have been too far back. But it would take a little while before we would notice it. And again, this is all hidden by our normal seasonal influenza that we're seeing in our population. Yes. Well, we do need to take a break, but when we come back, we'll talk more with my guests, Dr. Joan Nichols and Dr. Lisa Rankin, uh, helping you to learn how to survive the swine flu pandemic by not panicking. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Keeping families together whole and healthy is sometimes a serious challenge to parents. And when there's a crisis, where do you turn for help? Right here, The Parents Hour with Dr. Arlene Kerman, an open and frank forum covering both legal and social issues surrounding our kids. Tune in for The Parents Hour with Dr. Arlene Kerman every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Radio Network. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, helping you to learn how to survive the swine flu pandemic by not panicking. And, of course, let me explain that. Um, The secret to surviving the swine flu is to stay calm because everyone, or not everyone so far anyway, (laughs) some people around you are making pigs of themselves because they're pigging out on fear. And you get it, swine, flu, pigs, okay. (laughs) And the, the problem is that fear or panic makes you makes your body um, more vulnerable immunologically makes you more vulnerable to illness because it decreases the immune system it depresses the immune system and it makes you more vulnerable to getting sick so the key is to keep in a more positive frame of mind and um, not let this, this feelings of stress panic anxiety um, worry all of that work from your mind onto your body and then make you more vulnerable. Now, um, doc, with me are my guests, Dr. Joan Nichols and Dr. Lisa Rankin, experts in this subject. Um, from Dr. Nichols is a researcher, Dr. Rankin is a clinician, and we're giving you both sides of the problem. And um, Dr. Nichols, um, I wanted to, could you explain, first of all, if you could kind of put this in the context, um, which I think is very calming because people don't realize how many people die, get sick and die each year of the common flu, which is far, far greater than anything we're seeing, at least so far, with the swine flu. Generally, we see roughly twenty to 30,000 deaths a year from seasonal influenza, usually in the very young or in, in the very old age groups. Not rarely in, in, in people who have intact immune systems. And so that's what we expect for seasonal flu on a yearly basis, worse in strains that are very virulent, but in general. And the thing that's making people panic more about this is that it's a swine flu, which usually stayed in swine and now seems to have crossed the barrier. Could you tell us a little bit more about the virus itself? Um, in the case of swine flu, we do see a few cases every year, um, not many, that come right across from pigs. They transmit directly from pigs to us. They don't transmit from person to person. Um, and there have been outbreaks of swine flu in the past. In the 70s, we had one in Fort Dix that caused uh, severe illness in, in roughly a few hundred soldiers and it caused one death in a, in a 19-year-old private then. Um, so we do see this periodically. Um, the good news with this virus is, although um, it seemed to have been fairly virulent in Mexico or caused severe um, illness and deaths in Mexico, we have not seen that happening in confirmed cases outside of Mexico. It has not caused serious disease. And, of course, that's everybody's kind of mulling that over why, why that is. Why do you think it is? Um, perhaps it's because the initial... Um, cases were reported as flu-like symptoms, and very many different 
pathogens cause flu-like symptoms. Um, possibly the people that died had underlying um, other complications um, that we didn't know about, heart problems, um, respiratory problems that could have made it worse, um, possibly. So until we really know and document and the deaths in Mexico, did these people actually have the virus at the time, it's hard to really tell what was really going on. Well, and also maybe these people didn't get to doctors as early as people in the States would be likely to do. That's a definite possibility. Um, it, the outbreaks occurred at first in rural areas, and it is possible, too, that people didn't recognize. They just thought, oh, I just have the common seasonal influenza, and they didn't recognize that they had more than that until the symptoms were, were fairly severe. Um, there is also a possibility that as this virus emerged, it was a little different at first. It was a little bit more virulent at first, and as it became um, adapted to transmitting in people, it became less virulent. And that's, that's an option as well. And, and of, course, of course, I know it's politically incorrect, but um, it is likely that, especially in these rural areas, that the level of medical care, besides getting there later than you know, people who are more hypochondriacal here, <laughs> might go to their doctor sooner, you know, it also might speak to the level of medical care that's available, especially in these rural areas. It's, it's possible, but I also think part of it is the fact that when someone has the flu, they don't usually seek medical um, attention. Usually they, you know, they curl up someplace and they wait until they feel better. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that may be a part of it. They just thought, oh, this is just the flu or whatever is going around and, and, and I don't feel well and, and didn't seek any attention, from any, any treatment of any kind. Now, we've been, of course, hearing about wash your hands, um, you know, as one of the ways of protecting yourself. But how, and don't touch your eyes or your nose or your mouth. How does um, the virus go from... Uh, the eyes or nose or mouth and cause, get into the body and cause illness? Like what, what does it do from there? That's a really easy thing to answer. First, there are two ways to transmit this virus, either through aerosols, so it's in the air and small droplets that are floating in the air, or on larger droplets as you sneeze or cough and you touch your face if you have the virus, and then you touch a pen or somebody else's hand or something else, and then that person comes in contact with it. And we touch our faces a great deal. So if you have touched something and you now have the virus on your hands and you touch your eyes and your nose, your mucous membranes, you have the capability of taking the virus and bringing it to yourself and putting it in the exact environment it would like to be and in terms of infecting your respiratory, the cells that are part of your respiratory tract. And once a cell comes in contact or once the virus comes in contact with the cell, it will, it will attach to it, be internalized by that cell. And the virus, the only purpose it has in life is to replicate itself, to make more of itself, and its genes will take over the genes of that cell and now make that cell a little factory to make more influenza virus particles and release them to the environment. And then we'll infect more cells, and so as we see more cells being infected, that increases what you see in terms of symptomology, and that's how the disease progresses. And when you have enough of the virus that you're producing, you can, as you cough and sneeze, pass it on to someone else. And when would you say um, that people should uh, go to their doctor? I mean, when do you, when do you think people should decide... I mean, we can't obviously. Control. You know, there is a there is a uh, danger of people when they get a either the common flu or a common cold or just aren't feeling well for a number of reasons could think, oh my, I have this swine flu. When would you suggest that people actually act on that and go to see a doctor? Well, Lisa may be able to speak to that better than I okay. can because she is a clinician, well, um, and and she will probably suggest the guidelines from the CDC, but. I'd like to give her the opportunity to answer that. Sure, absolutely. When we come back, you will hear some of these guidelines and some uh, 13 ways to um, not freak out and avoid swine flu. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and we'll be right back.
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guest jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times do you want help then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, helping you to learn how to survive the swine flu pandemic by not panicking. You know, talking about not panicking, this weekend I was at the L.A. Times Book Festival um, the annual book festival, and I was helping promote my mother's book, Archibald Swiss Cheese Mountain. It's a, a children's book. And I would go over to the different families, um, especially p- part of the time we were at the variety booth because part of the uh, proceeds goes to variety. And so I was really eager to sell a lot of books. And I would go up to families and, and um, show the kids the book and, and uh, you know, get really close into this huddle with the family, tell them the moral of the story. It's the Archibald Mouse helps the children find their dreams and so on. And then on the way home, <laughs> I started hearing about more of the swine flu, um, or, the, or was it the swine flu was, there were more cases, I guess, in California, and I started, and I realized that I hadn't thought anything about that as I was cozying up to all these families. But anyhow, it was for a good cause. Um, listen, my guests are Dr. Joan Nichols and Dr. Lisa Rankin, and why don't you, um, Lisa, tell everyone about about the the normal we have the symptoms of swine flu, so that people can sort of be alert if uh, they may be having some of these things. Sure. The primary symptom that distinguishes it from many other things like colds and allergies is fever. And so that's really a key one to pay attention to. Um, The other symptoms include cough, a sore throat, body aches, headache, chills, and fatigue. Some people have experienced nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and sometimes a runny nose. But for the most part, it tends to be much more systemic than things like the, the common cold and seasonal allergies, which, of course, this time of year for a lot of people, particularly out here in California, is pretty severe. 
Um, so, but fever is really a good way to distinguish that. Normally, with the common cold, you won't usually get a fever above, say, 100.0, for example, whereas people with the flu can often get fevers that go to be 102, 103. Um, and the CDC is recommending that, you know, people pay attention to the really serious emergency warning signs because the majority of those symptoms are like they are with any flu. They, the body kind of fights the, uh, the virus and the symptoms resolve over time. But in certain cases, particularly in people who have, uh, you know, weaker immune systems um, or are particularly old or particularly young, then they're more likely to develop the emergency warning signs, which include things like difficulty breathing or shortness of breath, pain or pressure in the chest or abdomen, uh, a sudden onset of dizziness, or confusion, and persistent nausea and vomiting that can lead to severe dehydration. Yes, and also for children, um, the CDC recommends that if children have these warning signs, they should get, you should bring them to an emergency room or to a doctor, and that's fast breathing or trouble breathing, bluish skin color, not drinking enough fluids, not waking up, or not interacting. Yes, I would say that that was a pretty big warning sign. Being so irritable that the child does not want to be held, flu-like symptoms improve but then return with fever and worse cough, fever with a rash. So um, if you don't have a thermometer, buy one, and if you're feeling ill, that would be one of the first things to do. Now, Lissa, I want to get to your list of 13 ways to avoid swine flu and why not to freak out. So why don't we just go through that? Absolutely. Well, this is all listed on owningpink.com. But number one is wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. You guys have all heard it over and over at this point. But that seriously is the best way to prevent this because if you're touching surfaces, avoid touching your face, um, but wash your hands, and that's going to significantly reduce your risk. Another way to give your immune system a boost is by taking echinacea, which you can get at places like Whole Foods or Pharmaca. Um, I, I recommend a brand called Esperitox, a type called Esperitox, which uh, you can get from several different places. There's also dietary ways to improve your immune system, um, and one of those is to steer clear of sugar, but there are five foods that can really help you in your body's fight to, to, um, to control infection. One is citrus. And, of course, citrus is loaded with vitamin C. I recommend to my patients that they grab a glass of orange juice or make lemonade with lots of lemons and good clean water and stevia, which is a natural sweetener. Add a little cayenne pepper, and that can also help to build your body's immune system. Not only is it a zingy treat, but it also alkalinizes your body, and your body, when it's in a more alkaline state, is, uh, is more able to fight infection. Um, cayenne and red chili peppers are another uh, type of food that have long been appreciated for their medicinal properties, um, particularly in states of emergency. They recommend that, that hikers and uh, extreme people who engage in extreme sports carry cayenne because it can be a natural uh, healer for heart attacks when you're in an emergency situation. Mm. Uh, so make some, make some chili, eat your cayenne pepper. Garlic also has been used to treat everything from the common cold to the plague, so it's a good time to throw a little extra garlic on your food. Carrots also are bursting with beta carotene, and that really helps your body when, uh, when it's fighting infection. Carrot juice is a particularly good way to do that because you can get a, a whole lot of beta carotene in a, in a small volume. Sweet potatoes and spinach also have a lot of beta carotene, so that can help you. And the last of the five foods that can really help is fish because it contains a lot of omega-3 fatty acids, which support white blood cells in fighting infection. So good time to have sushi. Um, another important way to help your body fight infection is get enough sleep. Sleep is so important in helping your body when it's, when it's exposed to infection. It's also a good time to give up alcohol and caffeine for a little while. If you're staying sober and decaffeinated, it helps your body mount immune systems, and it also helps to keep your body more alkaline, which, again, helps to, helps to support that. Um, on that note, another good way, if you happen to have a juicer stashed away under your counter, this is the time to pull it out. Get lots of green vegetables. Again, it's a good way to alkalinize your body, and it's also a great way to give yourself the vitamins that you need to support uh, your immune system. So guzzle your green juice. My favorite is with kale, celery, cucumber, Swiss chard, lemon, spinach, ginger, and garlic. And you can throw in some cayenne pepper on top of that. 
and it's just a really great immune-boosting way to help your body uh, fight fight any any virus that's that's going around. Um, another important thing is to try not to drink after other people, particularly people who have traveled to Mexico. And in general, just r- limit your um, exposure to sick people. This is not the time to go to the office when you're feeling sick or to be around other people when they're sick. So it's a good time to just stay home uh, if you're not feeling well. Obviously, hydration is really important to the body and very much helps the body to be able to, to fight infection. So drink lots of good pure, clean water, herbal tea, lemonade, all of these things are good to help your body hydrate. And pay particular attention to trying not to touch your nose, your eyes, and your mouth, as we talked about. Uh, Another natural thing that you can do is to take vitamin C supplements. If you can't get enough of your citrus in, take vitamin C supplements. Uh, Taking extra just gets excreted, excreted in your urine, so it won't hurt you to load up on that. You can also supplement with probiotic bacteria, which alters the intestinal flora and helps your body reduce infection and resist any viral uh, infection that might be coming your way. Another thing that you can do that's a holistic remedy is to take elderberry syrup. And you can get this at most holistic pharmacies. And elderberry syrup has a natural version of what's in Tamiflu or Oseltamivir, the um, the medication that we're using now is the antiviral for people who are exposed uh, or who are sick with swine flu. So elderberry syrup, a particularly good uh, holistic remedy that can help you during this time. And then the last thing on my list is to rethink your Mexico trip, but don't wig out. <laughs> this is uh, certainly something to consider. If it's non-essential travel, then the recommendation is to reconsider whether that's something you must do. Um, But the most important thing is to realize that this is, in fact, the flu. It's not Ebola virus, and that this is not a time to panic. It's a good time to just take stock, make sure you're optimizing your body's ability to fight infection, be smart and be prepared, but but don't let the necessary get to you. Well, that was very, very wise ideas, and um, I hope that you will all take that to heart. You know, one of the, the, the bright side or the um, silver lining to some of these disastrous things that happen is that it is a time that people can use to um, take stock of their health, to take stock of what they, you know, the bad habits that they have, too much caffeine, not enough sleep, those kinds of things, and to just get into the habit, start a habit, a good habit of um, doing things that are much better for your body, not just you know, when not just during the swine's flu season, but um, but starting a habit that will last past this. Um, I wanted to go back to or go to what I had said we were going to talk about as well, um, Joan. The idea of who, because I know you've been doing research in this, what people um, we've just heard a whole list of things you can do to raise your immune system. And I was talking earlier about how panic or fear lowers the immune system. What have you found in the research in terms of what people, what what characteristics occur in people who are more vulnerable to the swine flu? Well, that would be people that are more vulnerable to infection to start with usually, people with underlying health disorders to begin with. But the basic information that you were just talking about, getting enough sleep, Staying hydrated so that the mucus that you produce in your respiratory tract can can function properly to block infection of virus um, and attachment of virus to the cell surface is, is beneficial. Anything that keeps you functioning well, keeps your immune system functioning well, is important. And so that would be anything that keeps you healthy. Um, so reducing stress, having a good diet, um, sleeping properly, Hand-washing is the big one because it, it makes sure that you don't bring any virus in contact with you. But overall, our immune systems are affected by everything we do every day. They're affected by your genetic makeup, which and that means the what you got from your mother and your father in terms of their genetic makeups that make you more or less susceptible to disease. And it's also affected by what you, you experience on a day-to-day basis and how you live your life. And that truly does affect your, your immune system in general. Um, does that help you a little yes, bit? Yes, absolutely. 
And we do need to take another break. We will come back. My guests are Dr. Joan Nichols and Dr. Lisa Rankin. We're talking about how to survive the swine flu pandemic, and the answer is by not panicking. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america son we gotta talk about drinking i know I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't, yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talking with you today about how to survive the swine flu pandemic by not panicking with my guests, Dr. Joan Nichols and Dr. Lisa Rankin. And um, Dr. Nichols, um, let, just let's talk briefly about the World Health Organization pandemic threat levels, where we are now, and um, what you think might happen next. Okay. Well, in response to these outbreaks, the World Health Organization raised its pandemic alert level to a phase four. And what that means is that phase four alert is characterized by a confirmed person-to-person spread of a new influenza virus like this one, but able to cause community-level outbreaks. That's small localized outbreaks. Um, so the, an increase in this pandemic alert phase just indicates that it's an increased likelihood of a pandemic has occurred, and a pandemic is just a worldwide outbreak that happens at the same time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this says that we're seeing community outbreaks. There are small clusters of outbreaks, most of which we can trans, 
we can kind of trace back to um, people who traveled to Mexico, so we can kind of keep track of the initial people that became infected, and then when they went back to their communities, who who became infected next. But these are small clustered outbreaks, and that hence the the WHO alert um, that they 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 switched from a, to the level uh, phase four alert. And what would five be? Um, five is suggesting more extensive outbreaks along the way. And, and as we move along, an increase in it. But right now, we've we've kind of held at this. It was reasonable for them to go to this alert because we're seeing person-to-person transmission, and that was the major thing we've been watching for. But overall, at this time, it, I mean, our outbreaks are small, clustered. I mean, you can see there are a few people here and there that have come down with the virus. And again, like I said, most of them had traveled to Mexico or had contact with people that had traveled to Mexico. And, Lissa, why don't you take us into the zen of swine flu? Absolutely. I woke up this morning after having a really crazy day trying to calm some of the panic that I was seeing among my patients and my friends and the people on Twitter. And I realized that I think sometimes this is such a classic response to crisis. I think many of us, when a crisis comes our way, whether it's the loss of a loved one or a divorce or we get diagnosed with cancer or the swine flu, uh, our, our tendency is to just grab onto that as hard as we can, like a drowning woman clings to a life, lifeboat. And I know that I do this. When my father was dying a few years ago, I tried to control it. I wanted to hang on to it and keep him around. But ultimately, what I, what I realized when I was thinking about it is that clinging to that only made me more miserable, and really it didn't change the outcome at all. My father died anyway. Um, but I think that's what, that, I get the feeling that that's how people are responding to the swine flu. And it's, there's a fine line between being prepared and panicking and freaking out. So my, when I started thinking about this, I realized that, you know, I, I've come to realize that losing my dad was one of the best things that ever happened to me, as painful as it was, because it created change in my life and I needed change in my life. And I think sometimes when these global kinds of things happen, whether it's an economic downturn or a global pandemic, sometimes it's because we need change in our life. And maybe, I started thinking, maybe we've become so broken by the red state, blue state, uh, polarization, and the difficulty our country has had in the past 10 years, the polarization of things like gay marriage, and how we've become so disconnected, that maybe there's a purpose here. Maybe something like this is really meant to draw us together and to serve as a place of connectedness rather than causing us to panic. Maybe it's a time that we can draw together. And so, you know, when I, when I was thinking about this, I started thinking about that bigger purpose. What if swine flu is supposed to happen as if it's somehow critical to our collective happiness and who are we to say? You know, so maybe we can all just be a little bit more zen about the swine flu thing be prepared, but let it go in the hands of the universe. And I, uh, I, when this morning when I was writing about this, I thought of a dear friend of mine, Joe Perone, who is an OBGYN and a yoga instructor. And she once told me, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. Okay. And I love that because, yes, people are experiencing pain and loss from swine flu, and I certainly don't in any way mean to diminish that. But when it comes right down to it, whether we suffer because of that is really our choice. Yes, one of the things that um, that I was thinking in listening to the unending reports about all of this um, is that how, you know, with all the countries that are at war with each other, every country is at war with uh, several others, um, that this is something that uh, sort of inadvertently and ironically is bringing everyone together. There's the World Health Organization trying to help everyone stay healthy all over the world. You know, it's 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 kind of a way of um, putting aside, at least temporarily, some of these other differences to uh, help each other because illness, of course, is a very basic threat to everyone, and it's the same illness that's you know that's going around the world that that is um, potentially affecting everyone. And and we're all sort of having to work together to try to make it better for everyone because you know with every, with air travel and and um, people just flying around like mosquitoes, um, it if unless we take care of look at this as a global problem and try to help everyone, um, we're going to keep getting sick because more people are you know if if there are still the, the more people who are sick 
the more people will then be able to get the infection from them. So it behooves every country to try to work together to eradicate this flu as quickly as possible. And it's not, you know, you, even though somebody may have been your enemy yesterday, um, you still need to work with them today. Absolutely. I think it's a time to rally, and we need that in this country. I think there were so many people around the time of the last election who were really feeling like they didn't belong in America anymore, that things had become so polarized. So I really propose that we think of this as something that's, you know, that's supposed to happen on whatever level. And I certainly don't believe in a vindictive God. I'm not saying that somebody's out there casting plagues to teach us a lesson. But I do believe that things happen for a reason and that life isn't just a series of accidents. And I think we'll look back at, in, in, at some point in the future and be able to say that some of the things that our country is suffering from, be it an economic crisis or a swine flu pandemic, that these are things that brought us together and really brought us back to our heart, to the soul of who we are, and away from the, the materialism that we've gotten into, away from some of the more superficial things in life, to, to take us to a place that's primal. And it's in that place of, of being in a primal state that we can really heal. Yes, and that's, that's another good point that, you know, before this um, became so well-known, that before we knew there was this pandemic, um, we were all thinking about our economy and money and jobs and all of this. And, you know, the, the old saying of um, your health is the most important thing and I think that this really was a wake-up call as far as that was concerned, too. Not that you don't need money to live and to buy food and all of that, but really uh, the most basic and the least appreciated uh, part of our lives is often our health. So this is a good reminder. And the world gets smaller every day. Yes. And, and global health concerns tell us that. Yes, absolutely. So I'd like to thank my guests, Dr. Joan Nichols and Dr. Lisa Rankin, for sharing their perspectives and knowledge with you. And um, I hope that this show has allowed you to feel that uh, you can survive the swine flu pandemic, not only by knowing what you should do, but also by not panicking and lowering your immune system. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.